Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Good morning, Gateway Church. It's really lovely to be able to gather together this morning. So great um, to be able to know that we are together, that we're one in God and one in his purposes. A huge welcome to you if you're new to us in our online church environment. Uh, just to encourage you, feel free. Uh, join in with the chat uh, that you should see on the side of your screen. If you want to, you can request prayer, which I think is somewhere down there. And uh, there'll be some lovely hosts who would love to, to chat with you this morning. Um, do please fill in our connection card. We've got some great free gifts that we want to get to you and to help you to journey with God. Um, this morning, as over all of these weeks recently, uh, we're journeying in matters of our well-being, and we're going to be considering our spiritual well-being uh, this morning. But right now, we have the opportunity to come and celebrate God for his goodness and his grace. If you don't know this yet, uh, let me tell you, God is good. Uh, and we can be really, really glad about this this morning. In fact, um, what we're wanting is for us to have this opportunity in amongst everything else to take joy, to delight in our God. I heard this really joyful story this week and I wanted to share it with you. I think you'll probably see a picture, strangely enough, of a samosa um, on your screen this morning. Let me explain. Uh, it seems that there was a, an Indian restaurant in Bath and the guy who owned it, Niraj Gadda, said that he came up with the idea of sending a samosa into space. Um, let me tell you why. Um, he said, during this bleak time, we could all use a reason to laugh. The feedback is that it's brought a lot of laughter from people, and that's what we really wanted to spread joy. So they attached this samosa to a weather balloon with a GoPro camera and a GPS tracker, and it went up. And there they were thinking, it's going to get in space, it's going to get in space. Turns out, not quite. Um, it went off course, they lost the GPS. And when it finally came back on, it seemed that it had crash-landed in northern France. Samosas to France. Um, and there it was. And yet, um, they, even though they don't know quite how high it got, 
Um, a clip recorded by the GoPro camera, beautifully, it showed the samosa and a plane flying past this samosa. Don't you just love that? Doesn't that just fill you with joy this morning? I hope it does. Look, there's something to be said, we're going to find this out later, for just doing the ordinary, everyday things, for the, for the stable, sensible, ordinary things. Look, they had to make a samosa, that's pretty ordinary. But there's something also to be said for just mixing things up, for change, for being willing to do something that's totally radical so that some joy might come in. And so right now, I'm going to invite you just to stand to your feet wherever you are and just prepare your heart to worship God. I'm going to read from Psalm 100, and we're going to just really invite ourselves. Yes, you know, we're here Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. It seems so ordinary, you know, opening up your, your laptop or your tablet or whatever and typing in the web address. It just seems so, so ordinary. And yet, in the midst of all of this, joy can come. The joy of God can come. We can experience our extraordinary God, even in the ordinariness of our living room and our couch. So come on, on your feet. Let's lift our hands, lift our hearts. Let's lift our voices to God and worship Him. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Come on, let's worship our faithful God and let joy come to each and every one of us as we seek him with our whole hearts. Good morning. Good morning, Gateway Church. How are you this morning? Are you well? Are you excited for another week on our well-being journey? Now then, this week we are looking at our spiritual well-being, aren't we? We've looked at our physical well-being, we've looked at our emotional well-being, and now we're looking at our spiritual well-being. And this is the bit, because we're talking about our spiritual well-being and our spirit, this is the bit that we think, oh, I know this bit. This is something to do with God and our, and our spirituality. And, and what we can do, I realize, is, is we can run the risk of thinking that this is the only bit where God is. That we think, well, we deal with our, our physical well-being and, and we can have all of these great tips to improve our physical health. And we can have all these great tips to deal with our emotional well-being. And now, spiritual, okay, here's God. And here's where we need God. And actually, that's a dangerous thing for us to do. We need God the whole time in every area of our life. We've been looking at how God is in our physical well-being and in our emotional well-being. He's not just suddenly arrived here. He's not in this little spiritual well-being box. We've been needing God this whole time, haven't we? But we still need him now with our spiritual well-being as well. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Now then, hopefully you got a message, your parents got a message on the WhatsApp this morning. And maybe you've got a couple of bits. So right now you need your scissors and you need a piece of paper that you've got. And I'm going to invite Molly up with me this morning. Come on, Molly. There are no children in the building, so I'll get Molly instead. Now then, a picture's going to come up for you on the screen of my piece of paper. Here we go. Oof, I need, I need more hands. Here we go. And this is the piece of paper, Molly, that you are going to try and create. You're going to have a pair of scissors. 
I'll hold the blades. That's how we hold scissors. There we go. There are scissors. And you're going to have a piece of paper. Now, kids at home, you look at the picture. And I want to see if you can do some snips. You need a chunk missing here. You need a chunk missing here. And you need a flappy bit there. Do you want to take a good look, Molly? I'll spin it around. Chunk, chunk, flap. Chunk, chunk, flap. Do you want to have a go? Right, I'm going to give you one minute on the clock. There's no clock. Maybe I'll make a chicken noise. Everybody at home, have your best go. You ready, Molly? Three, two, one, go. Looks like she's going for a chunk. She's going for a chunk. Are you doing it at home? Maybe the grown-ups are doing it too. I don't mind. There's more paper here if you make a mess. Move this one along. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, she's got a chunk gone. She's got a chunk gone. How are you doing at home? This is going great, Molly. Do you want to go and ask somebody for help? You can ask anybody in this room for help. It just might take you a while to get down there. You can go and ask somebody for help. Go, go, go. We should have got the countdown theme song. Dun, 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 Thank you, for, thank you for trying, Molly. Round of applause for Molly. Thank you for trying. <laughs> now, I obviously cut this paper first, didn't I? I made this. I created it. I made it. And I said, Molly, here's this. I've made this. Have a go at making it. And then, and then I said, Molly, you can ask anybody for help. Anybody in this room. And do you know who, did, who you didn't ask, Molly? Me. I did it. I know how to do it, Molly. And you didn't ask. I said, you didn't ask anybody in this room. I'm in this room. You didn't ask me. And you know, that's what we do all the time. And, and thinking, not even just of our spiritual well-being this morning, our well-being in all areas of our life. When we're thinking about when we need help, when we're trying to do something and we're not doing a very good job, no offense, Molly, and we need a little bit of help. There is one person who created us, who made us in the first place. Like I made this in the first place. There's one person who knows exactly how to help and exactly what to do. And how often do we go and ask and find help in so many different places before we turn to God? We do that all the time, don't we? We, we look to people, we look to our friends, to our grown-ups that we trust, maybe our teachers in school, we ask for help. Maybe when we're struggling, we think, oh, I can just do a, a, this activity that I enjoy and that'll help me feel better. I can just do this, this and this and that'll help me feel better. And we don't go to God. Why don't we go to him first? I could have helped Marley straight away. But she went to everybody else. She didn't come to me. I'm not offended, it's Okay. We need to be going to God. He's the one that knows how to do exactly what we're trying to do. He's the one that knows how to help us and heal us and make us better. And we forget to go to him first, don't we? Now then, this is where you need your egg. And hopefully you've got a cup of warm water. I have a flask to keep my water warm. And I'm a little bit worried that it's still boiling hot. Oh, I can see the steam. Okay. Now get your egg. And nice and slowly, so that it doesn't crack. Just place it in. The egg is you. It's me. It's us. Just place it into the water. And 
this is us in life. The water is life. And oh, the egg is sinking. Sometimes in life we feel like we're sinking, don't we? Like we're not really swimming in the water that is life. We feel like we're sinking, drowning a little bit below the surface. Now, so carefully remove the egg. Oof. Now you need a salt. Now this salt is going to represent the Holy Spirit. And this represents when we, when we come to God for help. And we ask him to help us and we ask him to move in our lives. And he brings us the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? So there we go. I'm going to pour in some salt. And, and this is us connecting with God. So maybe we're praying. It's super important that we pray to God. So there we go. I'll add some salt. And maybe we're listening. We're actually listening. It's super easy to pray. It's less easy to actually listen to what God's got to say, hasn't it? To sit and wait and be patient and listen to God. Here's, a, here's what's being filled as we're doing all of these things. We're reading our Bible. And remember, I've been telling this to our youth group. The point isn't to memorize our Bible. The point is to internalize our Bible. We read it. We internalize it. So we've been reading our Bible. Let's give it a mix. Mix it all in. Maybe it's getting cloudy. Is your water changing? I could turn that into a metaphor too, couldn't I? When you when you feel the Holy Spirit, you look different. Everyone can tell you've got the Holy Spirit in you. It's a good metaphor. Let's add some more. There we go. We've been doing lots of praying. We're all full of the Holy Spirit. There we go. Now add your egg back in again. Here's you again in life. When you're all full up of the Holy Spirit. Have you had a plenty of salt? Let's add some more. We're all full. We want more of the Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Come on, God. More, Lord. Let's add the egg. How are we doing? I don't want to burn my little fingers. And look what happens. Is your egg floating? When you're full, when you ask God to fill you and you're spiritually filled, you're not sinking anymore. He lifts you up out of the water. Look, we're floating. We're doing okay. There's nothing you can't get through when you ask God to fill you with his spirit and you ask him to be with you and you are close to him. You won't feel like you're sinking anymore. So ask God into your life this week. Will you do that for me? Whenever you're struggling, you need just a little bit more of the Spirit. Thank you. Amen, amen. That's a great illustration, isn't it? I'll give you just a couple of minutes to pick all the bits of uh, eggshell off your living room floor at home. Um, And we're going to continue with those exact thoughts, um, how it is that uh, not only... Can we um, turn to God who knows us, who's created us, and who longs for our best? But the, the fact that he's actually welcoming us, he's calling us, he's inviting us to come and to receive him and to be changed by him. This whole well-being journey um, is, is rooted upon the idea that our well-being, it's not something that we've kind of made up for ourselves. It's not something we just run around through life trying to find. It's that God himself is the God of well-being. 
And we, we've looked already at this word shalom in the Bible, which oftentimes we think means peace, but it doesn't mean peace as in the absence of conflict. It means peace as in the presence of all of God's goodness and grace, his wholeness for you and for me, well-being. And how it is that this God, who is a God of shalom, is also our good father. You know, if we are in Christ, what we're recognizing is that we're part of his family. And as a good father, he wants our well-being. He's able to grant to us everything that we possibly need. To help us to understand the sense of our, our well-being as human beings, sometimes we can be a little bit complicated. Um, we've broken it down into six areas or six dials that we might um, visualize, as it were, on the dashboard of our life. And uh, as Grace has said, we've already considered some of those dials in terms of our physical well-being and our emotional well-being today, our spiritual well-being. But we don't consider them uh, as discrete or separate things. Rather, they're interconnected. And actually, God wants to enable our dials to be, as it were, moved towards the green or or to top us up or to to grow us in these areas such that we as a whole and complete human being made in the image of God might know the fullness of his peace for our lives. Does it seem to any of you this morning like, you know, the days kind of blend a little bit into one, or, or the weeks seem monotonous or repetitious, that um, with so many of the ordinary things of life perhaps removed from us, uh, the days can seem a little bland, a little bit monochrome, ordinary. And just the other day, there was this thing called uh, Groundhog Day in the States. I don't know whether you've heard of it, but there's this little groundhog, which I, you know, I don't know a great deal about it, but it seems to me is kind of like an overgrown hamster. And um, this groundhog comes out of the ground. He's called Punxsutawney Phil. And he comes out of the ground, and whether he sees his shadow or not determines whether he thinks that there's going to be more winter, more of the same, or whether spring is coming. Well, it turns out this year um, he decided there would be more winter because, of course, he did. Uh, Because, you know, everything's going so swimmingly, so more winter is exactly what we want. Um, But maybe it made you think a little bit, made me think a little bit of the film Groundhog Day. Do you remember the film with Bill Murray? And um, he relived the day over and over and over again, didn't he? And, you know, it was so frustrating for him. It felt like he was living in this ongoing loop. And maybe in these pandemic days, it can feel a bit like we are living in an ongoing loop. And we're not quite sure. Maybe just maybe the signs that there's an escape, but we're not so sure. As one pastor put it, um, last Easter, it gave way to Pentecost and then to Advent and to Christmas, only to bring us once again to being on the cusp of Lent again and Easter this year, that there may be another Resurrection Sunday wearing masks and living at a distance from one another, holding on to hope when there doesn't seem much else. Yet these loops and these unwanted repetitions, lockdowns, self-isolations, minimal social interaction, online church, they can allow for us, as in the movie with Bill Murray, to really look carefully at our lives, at our priorities, maybe our deficiencies. They can allow us to look at the rhythms of our lives. Maybe what is redundant, unnecessary perhaps, or or on the other hand, what is sorely lacking in our lives. The writer Anne Cahoulis put it like this. She said, trying to evade a life marked by repetition is misguided. 
Repetition is a fundamental reality of being human. And the pandemic has only heightened our awareness of it. We are creatures of again. We are made for again. So why does repetition sometimes feel like a curse instead of a blessing? It's a good question, isn't it? There's much, perhaps, that we would change about today, if we could. But in the repetition of today's restrictions, we can find the blessed repetition of meeting with our God. And the possibility of changing, well, the only thing that we really can, ourselves. You see, God's not been blindsided by any of this, by this pandemic or any of these um, restrictions or, or difficulties. And if we'll work with him rather than resisting him or even resenting him, then he can make us full in our well-being even now. There's a couple of verses in the New Testament of the Bible. You might find them in 1 Thessalonians 5. And there in verse 23, it says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? You know, there lots of kind of spiritualities and religions are kind of interested in the soul. You know, this idea of the mind or the seat of our emotional life. There's a lot of interest in that. And, and we know our bodies pretty well, I guess. And, you know, we're pretty familiar with that aspect of our dimension. But I would suggest it's actually only Christianity that actually is really invested in your body, your soul, and what was that other thing? Your spirit. Maybe you're not so familiar with what your spirit is. Your body, yes. Your soul, maybe. What about your spirit? Well, the Bible teaches us that our spirit that God is so invested in is the part of us that actually is dead before we meet Jesus Christ. But Jesus himself, through his own fullness of life, brings our spirit to life. Uh, my hope and my prayer for you is that you have met Jesus in that way and you've come alive in him. If you've not, again, why don't you request prayer this morning? We'd love to help you with that and introduce you to the Jesus who brings us fully alive. But maybe, even if you are a Christian, you've known that profound and wonderful transformation in your life, you still feel on occasion, maybe even today, like your spirit needs to kind of come alive a little more. All too often as believers, we can find that our spirits feel weak or weary, that our, our spiritual life is dry and pretty dreary. St. Augustine very famously, he put it like this, he said, you, Lord, have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That is a fundamental reality for every human being. But it's not a one-time reality. It's an always reality. You know, we find our rest in Jesus, but then we need to be continually being rested spiritually in Jesus. We recognize that we need God. And maybe we've been getting by. Maybe you've been getting by for a long time. Maybe not really enjoying the Bible or, or not really feeling prayer not really committed to God's people or purposes. But now, 
In days like these days, seasons like this season, it comes into sharp focus that getting by isn't really getting by. You know, today, we're going to be traveling again with our good friend Elijah from the Bible, and we're going to be digging deep into this particular well-being need. And the three dimensions that we have for this are these, hunger, honesty, and hearing. Hunger, honesty, and hearing. We're going to unpack those over the next little while. But as the worship team comes to rejoin us now and lead us in worship, I want you to think about the fact that this is not just kind of keys for the journey. This is not just good inspiration, but this is true reality. Uh, And maybe right now, if you've got them with you, um, you you might have grabbed a phone, your keys, your wallet. I don't know how it is for ladies, but for a bloke, that's what you leave the house with. That's just it. Um, so you've got your keys, you've got your phone, you've got your wallet, and, uh, and you're good to go. And that's it. But think about it like this, because th- this is why we can believe that our spiritual well-being is a reality that God will meet. And grab your phone. All the time we're able to have a conversation with God. He's there. He's present. And it can be as honest and as real a conversation as we need directly with God because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So we come to worship, realize this, come on, you got your phone, just as really as that you can speak to God. Your keys, you have access to God. Because we through Jesus are now part of his family, we've been adopted as spiritual sons and daughters. The door to God is not locked, it's wide open. Each of us can come now as we worship. It's not just people on the stage here. It's not just the people who you see perhaps in the chat who seem like they've got it all going on. You, me, all of us, we can come to God. In your wallet, it's God's provision. It's God's provision. There might not be very much in your wallet, but the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of it. And he gives us everything that we need. So right now, we're going to come and we're going to worship. We're going to address hunger, honesty, and hearing in a moment or two. But look, this is not just theory. This is reality. You can come to God. You can talk with Him. The way is open for you, and all of His goodness is for you. So let's worship Him before we explore this spiritual well-being some more. We thank you, God, that we worship one who is good, one who is good, and one who is more than able worship you this morning. Amen. 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 We're so glad to be invited into the the pursuit of the God who loves us, who is present, and who is more than able to meet our every need. And so we're going to be um, considering um, for the next little while some of the aspects of how uh, we might find our spiritual satisfaction in God. And firstly, we're considering that hunger for God. And not just a hunger for God, but please God, an increased hunger for God. We recognize throughout this journey that God is the satisfaction that we truly need. But how do we apply that to, to our spiritual life, our spiritual well-being? You know, if we're physically hungry or physically thirsty, then we're so used to sensing that, aren't we? It's so obvious to us within our bodies, and we know, of course, exactly how to fix it. And we can recognize also, for instance, tiredness, and we know that we just need some more sleep. But when it comes to our spiritual depletion, oftentimes we we miss the signs 
Or sometimes we, we, we misinterpret them or, or paper over the cracks even when we are aware. We, if we try going without food for a week or sleep for a week, well, we'd be pretty stuck, wouldn't we? Yet all too often, we do that to our spirits and wonder why we're feeling dead on the inside. Um, let's again consider Elijah. You know, we, we looked at, at something of his story over these past couple of weeks, and he'd had this incredible high point in his service to God and his ministry to God's people, this incredible moment of victory. And then he's, he's run, and, and then he's had to kind of flee for his life because the persecution and the, the trouble has come upon him. He's really, really weary. He'd worked so hard. He'd expended so much spiritually. And when all of that had happened, how does God uh, begin to move in his life? Well, God decides to send this weary, worn-out guy on a 40-day desert journey. Well, thank you, God. That's really wonderful. really appreciate that. Yeah, it was a journey with great intention. It had a great destination. God sent him to this place, Mount Horeb. We also know it as Sinai. And in the Old Testament, it was an incredible, powerful, profound place of meeting with God. You know, you read through the Old Testament, see how many times it was that God met with his people remarkably and powerfully in that place. So it's a great destination. And in the Old Testament, the Bible speaks about 40-day periods as, as always preparing people for something special. So we've got a great destination, we've got a time of preparation, but in spite of all of that promise, it took Elijah to be really hungry for him to actually make the most of that promise. You know, he's weak and he's weary, but he had to get up on his feet and go on the journey. He must have been spiritually hungry. He must have been spiritually recognizing that hunger and spiritually desirous that his hunger would be satisfied. He's willing to travel 40 days in the wilderness. Now, things are so much better for you and for me than they were for Elijah. Elijah is a great hero of the faith, but you and I, we don't have to travel through the desert to a mountain in the middle of nowhere. Good news. You see, you and I live in the light of Jesus Christ, of the revelation of the person of God. We live in the light of his death and his resurrection. We live in the reality that he is our savior, our Lord, and our greatest friend. And we live because he lives in us. We don't have to go through the desert. We don't have to go to a mountain. We don't have to jump through these kind of hoops, it seems like. God is in us. He's the hope of glory. How wonderful it is that we can come to him knowing that he is that close, that real, that present to us. But there's something that we can learn and understand from Elijah's journey nonetheless because it expresses his willingness and it expresses his intent to travel and meet with his God. Now, don't misunderstand this. God's not being tricky with Elijah. God's not saying, where's the hardest, most out-of-the-way kind of a place that I can go to so that Elijah really has to work to find me? God's not being tricky with us when we find ourselves spiritually depleted. But he is inviting us to seek change, to seek him more than our comfort or what we're used to our own preference, or our own lordship over our lives. Bill Johnson on one occasion put it like this. He said, God doesn't hide things from us 
but for us. It's not God is trying to keep things secretly away from us. Rather, it's kind of like he's inviting us on something of a treasure hunt. It's a rather more beautiful picture, isn't it? I'm reminded of... um, We've had some self-isolation just over recent weeks as a family and um, spent a lot of time with the kids. And uh, you run out of interesting and creative things to do. Or rather, you don't. You just run out of the energy to actually do them. And so uh, there we were in the living room the other day and we were playing some hide-and-seek, which essentially was time for Daddy to kind of get on with some jobs while the kids just roamed. And, um, and how hide-and-seek goes with a four-year-old and a two-year-old is this. First of all, Judah gets a blanket pulls it over himself and lies in the middle of the living room floor as though somehow that is the most perfect hiding place. And, and yet it takes Nora quite a while to find him. Um, but when she does find him, great hilarity and delight breaks out, at which point they flip roles. They've started to understand that that's what you do as part of the game. And it goes a bit like this. Nora then lies down on the floor. Judah puts the blanket over her and then he has to find her. Um, it's not tricky. But when he does find her, the delight is real. It's palpable. And, and so this kind of game goes on and on and on. And I'm just observing this. It's not that it was hard, but there was joy in the finding. And the Bible tells you and me that if we seek God, we will find him. We will. He's not making it hard. But he is asking you, are you hungry for your God? Are you hungry for your God? Is that growing and increasing in you? Come on, what's the evidence of this? Now, as a church, we have some great ways of satisfying your hunger in Jesus. Are you seeking him by reading the Moravian daily text each day? Are you encouraging one another in the quest each evening when we gather on Facebook or YouTube? Are you seeking him with the members of your transformed community, your extended family of missionary servants? Are you seeking him in fasting and prayer once a month in our breakfast gatherings of praise? How about our boiler room prayer on a Tuesday? There are so many, well, they're not hard, but you've got to want them. Ways of seeking your God. Ask yourself a blunt question. I need to ask myself this. We need to ask ourselves this. Do we really care about the coming of the kingdom of God to a world in need, to, well, us in need of him? Or are we simply perhaps not willing to make the changes necessary so that we can give ourselves to the call of God to come and be satisfied? You know, make the change. It's not hard. Make it simple. Our evening devotionals online, they're only 10 to 15 minutes. It's not a huge change, but it's a profound one. You can do this. If you were to read the Moravian text, it's just a a small time, but it's a profound and important one. If you were to open up uh, the book that we've been recommending to you, God's plan for your well-being, and just give a short amount of time to reading those words, it might seem simple sometimes, things that you already know, but that intentionality of hungering for your God will make all the difference. We want to have an increased hunger for God. Secondly, an increased honesty before God. You know, I've mentioned it before recently, um, but I'm praying for you. Now, I don't say that because in any way my prayers are more special than anybody else's. They're simply not. 
In fact, I was incredibly blessed the other day um, when in text conversation with somebody, they said how um, blessed they'd been by their new investment in their transformed community. And they were praying regularly with a couple of other ladies from, from that community. Those prayers are incredibly powerful and I was so blessed by that. But the reason I share about my prayer is that when I ask each of you day by day what you would like prayer for, here's what it means to me. I've been profoundly moved by the openness and the honesty of so many of you that you're willing to share with me, your pastor, some of the great troubles and the struggles. That you're willing to share with me some of the, the hopes and the dreams of your lives. You know, I count that an immeasurable privilege and you know, I'm aware as I pray with you of the hand of God upon such openness that we, as the Bible says, bear one another's burdens and that we together are casting our cares upon Jesus for he cares for us. Again, as we come to worship right now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about openness and honesty before God when we come back. But as the team comes to lead us right away, um, I want you to consider that openness, that honesty, that possibility of communicating with your God. God knows everything, but he longs for us to be open with him. And God's hand of blessing is upon those who hunger for him and are honest with him. We'll explore that some more in a moment. But why don't you just open your life to God as we worship together now? Hallelujah. We're so thankful, aren't we, that we can come with hunger and with real openness, with real honesty to the one who truly is our living hope. So we consider this idea of honesty, of openness a little bit more through the life of Elijah. And Elijah, he's been invited on this journey, this journey that he's, he's only really begun because he is really hungry. He really does know that he needs his God. And when Elijah gets to Horeb, there's this strange kind of moment. You have to check it out for yourself. Look, if you've got a Bible, you might want to open up to 1 Kings 19. If you don't have a Bible, there's a tab right here in our online environment to open up a Bible for you. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, we find in verse 9 and 13 these, these, these words. Elijah he goes into a cave and spends the night. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And again in verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is so strange, isn't it? Because not only does God know everything, he knows what's going on inside Elijah. Not only that, but God's the one who's told him to come in the first place. God has told him to come and then when he arrives, he says, what are you doing here? It's not that God's forgotten why he's called him. It's not that God's trying to test him or, or trick him. God knows everything that's going on inside Elijah. And he knows all of the really troubling circumstances around and about him as well. Uh, what is happening? Well, uh, Jeff Lucas, he puts it like this in his book, Faith for All Seasons. Imagine, reimagines this, this encounter like this. He says, imagine God saying this, Elijah, talk to me. Throw aside your nice, pleasant speech and just tell me what's going on inside that locked mind of yours. 
be open, be honest. Not because I don't know, but because I long to have that conversation, that relationship, that intimacy with you. And in response to God, well, Elijah, give him credit, he pours out everything. You know, the gates open, he does not hold back. Well, he pours out a little bit more than everything, really, because he says things that aren't actually quite true. He exaggerates, he just says things how he feels, and he says them over and over again, repeating his grievances. In 1 Kings 19, verse 10, we find these words that are then repeated word for word in verse 14. Look at it for yourself. But, but Elijah replies saying, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And then in verse 14, it's word for word. It's like he's written down his script. But he's pouring out absolutely everything. Everything that's real, but everything that he feels as well. And God hears it, and God's glad. He doesn't tell him off for the half-truths. He doesn't tell him off for being just, you know, too much of a sharer. He doesn't say a bit of TMI, Elijah, just hold back for a minute. No, God invites, even welcomes the overflow of this heart that is weary and burdened. God wants to hear Elijah's desperation. God doesn't want to hear Elijah give him the right answers. He doesn't want to hear Elijah say all the nice things, put on his nice God-fearing mask and just pretend like everything is okay. God doesn't want the neat and tidy, polite and pointless, fake version of himself. God wants him and God wants you. He wants me. He doesn't want the pretend version that we give quite often to other Christians to kind of pretend that everything's going great. God knows. He's invited you to come, but when you come to him, he'll ask you, why are you here? Be honest. Share who you really are. Share what's really going on. Look, there's a whole book of the Bible, one of the biggest, the book of Psalms, and it's full of people being honest saying what's really going on in their world and really going on in their hearts. And sometimes it's, you know, it's a little bit much, but it's true and it's real and God enjoyed it and loved it and appreciated it and worked through it so much that he put it in your Bible. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's real and honest. Hunger for God and be honest with God. And then we come to this third point, hear God. We want an increased hunger for God, an increased honesty before God, and an increased hearing from God. You know, on two distinct occasions in my life, God profoundly and very specifically told me what to do. One of the occasions, I happened to be on the other side of the world pursuing something. (laughs) And God said, no, go back to Birkenhead and do this. And he said it very, very specifically. And, um, and it really grabbed my attention. On another occasion, I was considering a particular relationship. And God woke me up in the middle of the night and gave me a specific Bible verse. Um, I won't tell you how he did it, but it was quite remarkable. And, and it changed the course of my life. On two occasions, God has spoken to me that specifically. And they're profound and they were powerful. And I remember them like they were yesterday. But it didn't happen yesterday. Because it doesn't happen every day. We all want those powerful and profound moments of hearing from God. 
Now, maybe we long for those occasions we hear about it, don't we, where people kind of almost hear the audible voice of God. I never have. I never have. But I have a wonderful Bible. If I relied for my entire life upon those two occasions where God specifically directed my life through profound intervention, then that would be great, but I wouldn't have got very far. God would have sent me back from Nicaragua to Birkenhead. But if I'd have got here and I was waiting for another profound moment before I did anything, I'd never have done anything for the last goodness knows how many years. Wouldn't that have been a waste of my life? If I'd have let God speak to me and say, don't pursue that relationship and heard him, and, and then I was waiting for the same kind of uh, word from God to, to when I'm, I met my now wife, then she wouldn't be my wife. Truth is, I simply have to walk with God in the ordinary things of every day and hear him in the ordinary ways. If I'm waiting for a powerful moment from God every time I want to do anything or change anything or go anywhere, I'm going to find myself sat still and not doing anything very much. God will speak, but he speaks in the consistent walking, the consistent listening, the consistent hearing from God. John 10 and verse 27 says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's quite simple, isn't it? And there's a lot that's quite profound in that, but I want you to understand this, just the entry point to this understanding is what do you need to hear from God? You need to be a sheep. Can you do that? Can you manage it? I reckon we probably can, can't we? It means we need to be obedient, to follow, and to follow the good shepherd because he loves us. It's not a very high bar to get the everyday walk listening to your God. What did it look like for Elijah? Well, let's go back to him on Mount Horeb in 1 Kings 19. And in verses 11 to 12, it says this. The Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Now, God can speak through the powerful and the dramatic. He can certainly do the powerful and the dramatic. But when we're weak and we're weary, when we're lost and we're lonely, isn't it a wonderful grace that God doesn't want to speak to us through shock and awe tactics? He can but rather he beckons us close with a tender voice of invitation. In the New King James Version, verse 12 of what we just read, it said that God spoke in a still, small voice. Are you familiar with that? Maybe you are. God speaks gently, quietly, tenderly. And if you want to hear that gentle, quiet, tender voice, you've got to lean in. You've got to draw close. You've got to listen up, and then you'll hear. He wants us to draw close because he wants us. He wants you. He wants me. And the question for us today is, do we want him? Do we want him enough to, well, actually still a lot of the noise of our lives and draw in? The famous French philosopher Blaise Pascal, he put it like this. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. 
ouch. <laughs> Anybody? We surround ourselves with so much noise, don't we? Maybe you've got quite a lot of noise going on in here or in here, or maybe you've got young children. There's quite a lot of noise, full stop. Can we be still before our God? It's difficult. Moving much more up to date. Uh, another commentator, Ruth Haley Barton, in a book, Invitation to Silence and Solitude, she adds this. In silence, we not only withdraw from the demands of life and the company of others, but also allow the noise of our own thoughts, strivings, and compulsions to settle down so we can hear a truer and more reliable voice. In silence, we create space for God's activity rather than filling every minute with our own. Do you know the Bible? Or do you just rely on the preacher Sunday by Sunday to tell you what the Bible says? or whoever your favorite podcast preacher is, to fill those moments so you don't have to go to God for yourself? Do you worship God? Or do you wait until a Sunday and these beautiful people to come and sing to us? Or wait to piggyback on the latest worship albums on YouTube or Spotify? Do you talk with him? Or do you just hear maybe other professional Christians, shall we say, talk about him? You need your own walk simple, simple talk with God. We each do. I've mentioned it already, but the, the, the 50 days book that we've got, God's plan for your well-being, it's a really great resource for you to have those still, quiet, simple moments of hungering for God, being honest with Him and, and drawing near to Him to hear Him. It's written by uh, Pastor Dave Smith and his cultural life is pretty wide-ranging. Not only did he mention this Blaise Pascal quote, but then he took me to, under, to, to listen to a quote from a guy called Chance the Rapper um, from French philosophers to Chance the Rapper. Anyhow, I'm blessed to have Pastor Dave Smith speaking into our experience. But he opened up like this, Chance the Rapper, just 26, he'd won three Grammy Awards already. And at the peak of his career so far, he took a break. And in part, at least, to read the Bible. On his Instagram account, he wrote this. I'm going away to learn the word of God, which I am admittedly very unfamiliar with. I've been brought up by my family to know Christ, but I haven't taken it upon myself to really just read my Bible. Time away. Time away three Grammys, could have gone for a fourth. But he said, actually, what's more important? I need to know my God. That's bigger. It's more important. I'll be quiet. Look, God's not wanting to beat us up this morning with our inadequacy. He truly is that wonderful Father who longs to walk and talk with us, his dearly beloved children. And I want to ask you, will you take up his gracious invitation today? Will you fill up this spiritual well-being tank as you pour out your heart with the one you can really trust? Trust to fill you with his goodness for his good pleasure. Are you hungry for your God? Are you honest with your God? Are you hearing your God? Look at home. Uh, you may well be sat on your couch again. Can I invite you, whichever seems right for you, would you stand or maybe kneel before God? And let's come hungering for him not just because I asked you to but because you really want to for yourself 
Can we be open? Can we be honest with God? Can we pour out our heart before him and then be still and listen and hear what only he can speak into our lives? Let's be still. God, let it be the first of many. Make a practice of stilling ourselves before the God whom we're earnestly seeking. Stilling ourselves before the God that we've poured out our lives before. God, we would hear you. We would be satisfied by you. Working as we pray. song just to share a couple of things with you before we do this coming week we have the incredible joy of beginning again um, to prepare and pack hampers and activity packs um, for wonderful families that we know to bless them through the coming February half term and if you've not yet connected with that please do message our prayer line messages on social media or email get in touch we'd love to plug you into that a couple other things um, that we want to flag with you as well. Uh, one being that we're going to be starting a new way of sharing communion Sunday by Sunday. On Sunday evening, we're going to uh, be going live, Facebook and YouTube, we hope, uh, and actually sharing communion as a special brief moment, thinking about 10 minutes or so. Uh, and we'd encourage you to do that. It's going to be, I think, 8 o'clock each Sunday evening. Um, that'll be starting soon. And as well as that, we're conscious that uh, we can't always meet in the ways that we want, but we want to be offering prayer to our church body. So if you're in need of prayer, maybe you need a, a touch of healing or, or some a provision of God in your life, would you go again, get in touch with us? And what we'd love to do is for the elders and the intercessors of the church to set up an appointment with you to maybe WhatsApp video you or Zoom or whatever it is. And we want to pray with you as a church. So I wanted to make you aware of those things. Don't let them pass you by. Just think for a moment and engage with what God is doing. God's doing great things and he wants to do great things through us. So come on, let's worship God uh, before we close together. God bless you. Enjoy this week with your transformed communities. Uh, we'll meet again soon. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how 
they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.